This is the one and only Javi G. You can catch me on Anchor, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, anywhere else you might find podcasts. You can catch me on YouTube, Javi G channel, for all the fun updates. You can see me on TikTok, Javier Gobbledone. You can see me on IG, Beam 77 Anywhere you can think of me, I might be. Have a good one. <laughs> nice. here the indecisive podcast so today i've got a couple of articles that caught my interest thought i'd share with you just in case you hadn't seen these or uh, weren't aware of what was going on out in the world like i wasn't occasionally i'll put my periscope up look around for a minute figure out yeah i'm gonna go back underwater and then i'll disappear but in this particular case uh I looked at a few articles, some good, some bad. So this particular one that we're going to start with today, first off, how are you doing? Things getting back to normal for you? I hope so. It's a crazy world out there these days, but normal routines can bring us comfort. So I hope you are out there doing stuff that you used to do and keeping safe. So, all right, back to business. So this article is from Time Magazine, and it is written by Madeline Carlisle. This is from May 17th, 2021, and the title of this article is SCOTUS, meaning Supreme Court of the United States, rules police cannot search homes without warrants in the name of community caretaking. Now, <clears throat> I had never heard of this phrase, community caretaking, before. And it's, it's described in the article. We'll get to that. But just on the face of the title, I don't ever... There's a lot of titles these days that, that kind of are trying to get you stirred up. And then you go to read the article and there's hardly even anything in the article about what was in the title. There was just clickbait or it was just, they're trying to get people upset about something that's nothing to get upset about. Um, and not that this isn't anything to get upset about. Uh, police searching homes without warrants is definitely something to get upset about. So let's dig into the article and see what happens. So as I typically do, I'll read a bit, but maybe make a comment and then, uh, Continue reading. So we'll try to keep to the facts. Just the facts, ma'am. So here we go. The U.S. Supreme Court unanimously, that's always a good sign, ruled on Monday that an exception to the Fourth Amendment for community caretaking does not allow police to enter and search a home without a warrant. The community caretaking exception originated from a 1973 case Katie V. Dombrowski, in which an officer took a gun out of an impound, impounded car without a warrant. The Supreme Court at that time ruled 
that the police can conduct such warrantless searches if they are performing community caretaking functions in a reasonable manner. So pausing for a second, I'm not really sure I understand how they came to that conclusion. Uh, I've always understood the castle law. Now that may just be a Texas thing. I may need to do a little bit of research on that uh, before I dig too deep into it. But my understanding on the castle law is that your car is an extension of your castle or an extension of your home. And therefore it should be protected from such things. But this is from 73. So I may need to study up on the castle law to understand that a little bit better because I've been driving around thinking I'm protected. So continuing with the article, Monday's ruling in the case of Caniglia versus Strom centered on whether that exception, the community caretaking exception, also justifies warrantless searches of homes. In a nine to zero ruling, the court decided that it does not. While the Katie ruling recognizes that police perform many civil tasks in modern society, the recognition that these tasks is, exist is not an open-ended license to perform them anywhere. Judge Clarence Thomas wrote, in the majority opinion, the Fourth Amendment protects the rights of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable search and seizures, he continued. As Justice Samuel Alito noted in his concurrence, Monday's ruling does not apply to another Fourth Amendment exception known as the exigent circumstances exception, which allows police to enter homes without a warrant to help an injured occupant or to protect an occupant from imminent injury. Now, I can, I can totally agree with that one. So I imagine this probably stems from uh, a, let's just say, a domestic violence uh, 911 call. And the police roll up, the doors closed, but they hear a ruckus inside. I guess they could then come inside. Uh, or if there was a screen door and the main door, uh, main front door was open, and they could see into the home, see that there was a assault occurring or about to occur, then they could go in the home. I don't think I have a problem with that. So the exigent circumstances exception, I think I'm okay with that. Moving on. Back to the article. Perhaps not coincidentally, the court unanimous ruling comes at a time of national debate over whether we should dial back the scope of police activities and only use them for actual law enforcement purposes, says Clark Neely, senior vice president of criminal justice at the libertarian think tank, the Cato Institute, which had filed a brief urging the court to agree with Caniglia. This represents a welcome, albeit unusual, refusal of the justices' part to give the government greater leeway in conducting warrantless searches of people's homes and personal effects. So here's where this sourced from, or the, the actual court case for this most recent ruling. The suit was filed by a Rhode Island man, Edward Coniglia, after police officers searched his home and seized two handguns without a warrant in 2015. During an argument with his wife, Coniglia had placed a handgun on the dining room table and asked her to shoot him and get it over with. His wife left and spent the night elsewhere, and after not being able to reach him the next day, called the police. The police found Coniglia on his porch. He denied that he was suicidal, 
but agreed to go to the hospital for a psychiatric evaluation. In parentheses, this is a quote from him, on the condition that the officers would not confiscate his firearms. The police did so after they left. So after they took him off to the hospital to be uh, uh, get his psychological or psychiatric evaluation, it would appear that they went into his home and confiscated his gun. Now, uh, I can kind of see the gray area here because if they had gotten a call that he was potentially suicidal, I can see how the, it would be a concern of theirs to get the guns out of the home. I just don't... Uh, According to the Supreme Court, that's no, that's a no go. I again am severely indecisive on that particular. I don't know. That's uh, in in the true cases of a person who really is suicidal, maybe that's a good idea to get the guns out of there. But I don't know that I like law enforcement taking that on themselves. So hmm, tough one, very tough one. All right. So Caniglia later sued the officers, arguing that the search and seizure violated his Fourth Amendment rights. The officers argued that their actions were legal because they believed Caniglia was suicidal. The district court and the First Circuit Court of Appeals agreed with the police ruling the search counted as community caretaking and that Katie had extended to both cars and homes. A nonpartisan coalition of civil liberties advocates had worried that a similar Supreme Court ruling could have created a potentially dangerous precedent. And I agree with that very, very much. Uh, that could be that could be interpreted in so many different ways. If they're given carte blanche to just make the, make the decision on the fly, mm, I don't know. I don't know if I like that or not. Okay, moving on. The American Civil Liberties Union, ACLU, and the American Conservative Union Foundation had joined the Cato Institute to file a joint brief urging the court to keep the community caretaking exception confined to its historic vehicle-related origins and reject a broader standard that would give police free reign to enter the home without probable cause or a warrant. And that is exactly what I'm talking about. That's not good. Okay, that, that's going to cause nothing but problems. Back to the article. On Monday, the Supreme Court did just that, ruling that neither the holding nor logic of Katie justified the police's actions. So, that's the end of your article. I'll make sure to put a link in there so you can give it a read and let me know what you think about it. But just it uh, a nine a nine zero ruling on a I don't know how balanced the court is right now, uh, but that's pretty. There ain't no arguing there. Uh, the all nine of them said nope. So it's a good thing. Um, this is the kind of stuff that can can creep in if we're not watching. So it's good to see that we've still got folks on the Supreme Court that we can rely on to back us up on most things. All right, so um, how about the uh, how about the old COVID vaccine? Are you are you down with that? No. Well, it seems like a lot of people have been getting it, and I think that's great. Uh, but apparently in Ohio, they, uh, they sweetened the deal a little bit. So this is from, looks like, uh, ABC news. No, sorry. NBC news. 
Yes. NBC News. And the article a title says, Ohio sees boost in shots after it announces one million vaccine lottery. <laughs> so uh in the the sub headline Ohio had its highest vaccination day in three weeks after it announced a lottery-style drawing for vaccinated Ohioans. So they, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know where the funding is coming from this. Is This is coming out of a, a slush fund that they've got or something, but this is kind of interesting. So here, let's take a look at this article. So this is in Cincinnati, Ohio. Governor Mike, sorry, the article is by Dion J. Hampton. This is also written on May 17th, 2021. That was my one day to poke my periscope up. All right, Cincinnati, Ohio. Here we go. Governor Mike DeWine's $5 million lottery to encourage vaccinations appears to be an early win. The state health officials said Monday that more than 25,000 COVID-19 vaccine shots were administered on Friday, two days after the program was announced, making it the highest vaccination day in three weeks. Maybe more telling were the people who got vaccinated. Vaccinations for residents aged 30 to 74 spiked by 6%. Not only have we achieved our goal of increasing public awareness and interest, but we've slowed what was a consistent decline, and in certain age groups, we're seeing an increase again. The state direct health director, Stephanie McLeod, said, this is doing exactly what we intended it to do. The number of people vaccinated over the weekend is expected to be available by midweek, state officials say. So keep an eye on that. Also quoting, we were really encouraged by those numbers. We've really struggled with that age demographic, the 30 to 74, in the state of Ohio, said Melissa Wervery Arnold, CEO of the Ohio chapter of Americans Academy of Pediatrics. I think it's wonderful that it gave people a second thought. DeWine announced the initiative on Twitter on May 12th. Under the program, Ohioans 18 and older who have already received at least one dose of the COVID-19 vaccine can enter to win one of five $1 million prizes, state officials said. Ohioans aged 12 to 17 who've had at least one shot can enter to win one of five four-year full-ride scholarships to state colleges or universities or possibly private institutions, the state official said. Wow, that's pretty big. A winner will be announced on five consecutive Wednesdays starting May 26th. So if you're in Ohio, keep your eyes on that. Uh, continuing on, the governor remains optimistic about the early indicators. DeWine spokesman Dean Tierney said, the curve is now trending in the other direction as far as where we are headed. We hope that continues. Other states have promoted incentives for residents to get vaccinated as well. West Virginia offered a $100 savings bond to people ages 16 to 35. New Jersey offered free beers. <laughs> now that, that's pretty funny. Obviously, I laughed. And New York offered free Metro cards for anyone who gets a shot at a subway vaccination site. <laughs> now, I've never been to New York. I've 
my my wife and uh, daughters went to New York. Uh, I it was busy with work or whatever. I can't remember. But I don't know about getting the vaccine in the subway tunnels. That's there's got to be a little bit more sanitary area than that. But hey, I guess if it gets people to do it. Um, Ohio reported 200 or sorry, 729 new coronavirus cases on Monday. There have been about 1 million cases statewide and about 5 million residents have received one vaccination shot. Almost 43% of Ohio's population. That's pretty good. Starting Tuesday, Ohioans who would like to enter the drawing must opt in by visiting OhioVaxamillion.com. <laughs> That's pretty good. Not bad. Whoever came up with that, brilliant. It looks weird, but yeah, I get it. Or call the state health department. Entries will be carried over through all subsequent drawings. Health officials said winnings are subject to taxes. Ooh, yikesers. So that, that could be a pretty big hit for that million dollar lotto winning. Now I wonder how they would do that with the scholarship. They're going to tax that. That would suck. That's always been the, the the problem I've heard about winning things like going on to these game shows and winning a car is there's a guy waiting right there at the end to collect the tax money. And you're like, ooh, ouch. But hey, you want a car? Um, I guess you could always take the uh, the cash payout if that's even an option. All right. So uh, there we go. That's our COVID news for the day. Um, if you're in Ohio, hey. Could be worth a million dollars for you to get that vaccine. Um, if you're not in Ohio, then maybe you're in New Jersey where they giving out beer. All right, one last article that I wanted to uh, to cover, just because this is one that I've uh, I've always been kind of fascinated with wolves since I was a kid. Um, and not just like werewolf kind of stuff, but like real wolves. Uh, it's just always been fascinating to me. I mean, you know, that's, that's the call of the wild, right? That's the, one of the last true, um, independent canines out there, you know, just runs, it does its thing and they run in the pack and I don't know. They've just always been fascinating to me. Well, there's, there was a huge decline and the wolves have always kind of, kind of gotten a bad rap. Um, I mean, they are wild animals, but they're very intelligent and they very much are territorial. And if you've got, let's say cattle or sheep or something that's in their hunting zone. Yeah, of course they're going to be picking at it. So there's always a conflict between ranchers and the wolves and the coyotes too, but particularly the wolves. So, in some areas, they've been so decimated uh, that they've had to, um, they've had to, you know, try to repopulate. And from what I've understood, they were reintroduced into Yosemite, and they're seeing great things with that. So I think that it's touched on in the article too. So here's the article. So this article is from the Guardian. The title is of the article. Idaho is going to kill 90% of the state's wolves. That's a tragedy and bad policy. This is by Kim Haycox, H-E-A-C-O-X. Now, again, titles. You got to be careful with titles. But 90%, that's huge. That's a big number. 
Now, so if we're talking about a million, they're knocking out 900,000 of these suckers to leave them, but they're leaving them down to 100,000. Yeah, that's pretty big. That's not what we're talking about. All right, here we go. Fed by myths, fairy tales, and Disney, America's demonization of wolves has been going on for centuries and continues full throttle. Wow, she even threw Disney in there. Nothing embodies wilderness like wolves, our four-legged shadow, the dog that long ago refused our campfire and today prefers freedom and risk over the soft sofa and short leash. The dogs that howl more than bark add music to the land and, if left alone, to work their magic, make entire ecosystems healthy and whole. Witness Yellowstone. My apologies, I said uh, Yosemite. Yellowstone, a national park reborn in the 1990s when wolves, absent for 70 years, were reintroduced. Everything changed for the better. Elk stopped standing around like feedlot cattle. They learned to run like the wind again. Steamside willows and other reparent vegetation, previously trampled by the elk, returned as well. And with it, a chorus of birds, all because of the wolves. Yet in the state of Idaho, new legislation signed days ago by Governor Brad Little will allow professional hunters and trappers to use helicopters, snowmobiles, ATVs, night vision equipment, snares, and other means to kill roughly 90% of the state's wolves, knocking them down from an estimated, here's the number, 1,500 down to 150. A group of retired state, federal, and tribal wildlife managers wrote to Little, asking him to veto the wolf kill bill, saying statewide statewide livestock losses to wolves have been under 1% for cattle and 3% for sheep. The group further noted that the overall elk population has actually increased since wolves were reintroduced into Ohio or into Idaho, into Idaho more than two decades ago. It made no difference. Why exterminate the wolves? To make the country safe for cattle and sheep. More productive for deer, elk, caribou, and moose. To better fill hunters' freezers with winter meat. To sell the pelts. But there's something more. Something nobody talks about. The wolves exert a powerful influence on human imagination, wrote the nature writer Barry Lopez in Of Wolves and Men. It takes your stare and turns it back on you. Maybe the wolf, freer than you or I ever will be, reminds us too often of our own self-domestication. That in a rush to create a stable environment, we put ourselves in a stable. And that paradox haunts people who see wolves as something to be feared, hated, and destroyed. America's demonization and slaughter of wolves has been going on for centuries, fed by myths, fairy tales, Disney films, and more, and continues today full throttle from Wisconsin to Idaho to Alaska. This is our true forever war, the war on nature, specifically on wilderness and in sinister poster child. The wolf could be out there right now.
sneaking around the barbed wire, stalking our profits. In November of 2020, the Trump administration, as part of its rollback of environmental reg- regulations, ordered the U.S. the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to remove the gray wolf from the endangered species list. Western ranchers and farmers were pleased. Wildlife advocates called the decision willful, willful ignorance. EchoWatch reported that the delisting occurred despite the enduring precarity of wolf populations throughout much of the country. According to the most recent USFWS, USFWS data, there are only 108 wolves in Washington State, 158 in Oregon, and 15 in California. While wolves are functionally extinct in Nevada, Utah, and Colorado. Wisconsin's brutal wolf hunt in late February generated outrage, and for good reason. Jody Haybush Sinyakin, an environmental attorney, and Donald Waller, an ecologist and conservation biologist, wrote in the Washington Post, Throngs of unlicensed hunters joined those with licenses with packs of dogs, snowmobiles, and GPS technology. The wolves stood no chance. This unprecedented hunt took place during the breeding season, killing pregnant females and disrupting family packs at a time critical to pup survival. A full account of the hunt's biological toll is impossible as the state declined to inspect the carcasses. So we don't even know how many of those female wolves were, were pregnant. Hmm. As for Alaska, if you want to see a wolf this summer, skip Denali National Park, where the Toklat Pack, Alaska's most famous wolf pack studied since the late 1930s, has been decimated by hunters and trappers who bait the animal just outside park boundaries. The legendary wildlife biologist Adolf Murray who studied the Toklat pack for three years and teased apart more than 1,700 scat samples, came to a stunning conclusion. Wolves that prey on caribou and doll sheep primary, primarily take the old and infirmed. In effect, they create strong prey populations. Wolves are nature's chisel and lathe. A wolf attacks on humans and wolf attacks on humans are so rare as to be statistically non-existent. Over the past half century, wildlife around the world has dropped 68%. The human race, together with our livestock, now accounts for more than 95% of all mammal biomass on Earth. Everything else from whales to wolves to lions to tigers to bears, adds up to only 4.2%. And that percentage continues to fall. That is stunning to me. I had no idea. that the, If those figures are correct, wow. <laughs> Knowing that, who are we as a species? Are we global guardians who manage everything, plant and animal? as crops on a sustained yield basis where wildlife is game and wolves are pests? 
Or might we be good guardians as well, caretakers who regard others beyond ourselves as, a, as capable of love, of celebrating their young and mourning their dead? Now, pausing the article for a moment. So I've owned dogs for a long time. These are, these are domesticated dogs, not wolves. But I'm telling you, if, if you've ever owned a dog and you've given it any kind of attention, you know these creatures, they think, they have emotions, and they, they can totally... I mean, I've seen my dog look depressed. I've seen him look sad. I've seen him, seen him happy. I've seen him excited. I've seen him... I mean, anything, any emotions, these animals all can create that. And it's not just dogs. All animals have the capability to do this. So to go around thinking that we're the only sentient beings on this planet and, and it's we have carte blanche to just start waylaying species all over the place, I don't know if that's such a good idea. As we can see, there's a, there is a delicate balance in nature. And it seems all we do is screw it up. But anyway... All right, back to the article. While writing of wolves and men in the late 1970s, Barry Lopez raised two hybrid red wolves, Prairie and River, an ex experience that he said gave him a fundamental joy. He concluded, I learned from River that I was a human being and that he was a wolf and that we were different. I valued him as a creature but he did not have to be what I imagined he was. It is with this freedom from dogma, I think, that the meaning of the words, the celebration of life, becomes clear. So, again, now, I'm not a big hunter. I, obviously, I'm not a rancher. I understand the, uh, the financial cost. I get that. But statistically, they were saying less than 1% on cattle and 3% on sheep? Come on. That does not seem to be such a threat that we need to devastate the population of these wolves. And these other states that either they're nearly extinct or down in under 200? Wow, that just, that really does seem just not like... Um, proper maintenance. I understand thinning herds. I understand that we've got to keep the populations in a balance, but usually it balances itself. When we get involved and build a road through the middle of something where it used to be not, that disrupts everything. Now, not trying to say we got to stop progress, but all of that stuff should be taken into consideration. Supposedly, some of these, they do environmental impact studies, but I don't know how many of those are even paid attention to. I mean, look around. Since when, when was the last time you saw a construction project get turned down? I mean, we're building like crazy in this country and consuming more and more of the land that's out there that was wild at one point, but is no longer. Now, this isn't me getting up on a soapbox saying that we need to go back to the caveman days. Totally not. I enjoy my electronic devices. I enjoy my car. I like to drive on nice roads. But 
at some point we have to figure out how to live with these other species and coexist. But I mean, we can barely coexist amongst ourselves. So anyway, well, I'm, I'm going to wrap this one up. Um, final thoughts. Thank you, Supreme Court, for having our back. Thank you, ACLU and uh, others, for pushing that to the to the Supreme Court. Because had had it just been not left, I, I don't know that that guy could have afforded to take it to the Supreme Court. That that's one thing that puzzles me about our system. We have the Supreme Court, but they only hear cases that are brought to them, and I guess they they pick and choose which ones they'll hear. But if I was, if I had some sort of a civil liberty violation, I don't have the funding to to take it all the way to the Supreme Court. So it's good that we have these organizations like the ACLU that will that will back us up, you know, and that will take it on and take it all the way up to the top and fight for the rights of the people. So somebody's got to. Am I right? But. As far as the uh, the boost on the COVID, hey, I think that's great. I mean, whatever you can do, if people if people are going to get this vaccine, uh, so we can keep this thing down, I think that's great. If people don't want to get the vaccine, I don't have a problem with that either. I, I'm I'm kind of again, Mister Indecisive here. I'm not big about government forcing people to do things, obviously, but when it comes to the health of the whole, I don't know, but. Anyway, as long as it's still voluntary, I'm okay with it. When they start making it mandatory, then I may start to think think different about it. But anyway, that's it is what it is. And lastly, the wolves go out go out and and uh, find you just a YouTube video about about wolves and just watch it and just see how amazing these creatures really are. And we shouldn't be butchering them down to near extinction. That just that seems like. A bad idea to me. I mean, they explained it in the article that the, the caribou were just standing around, destroying all the vegetation. Now the wolves, now because they didn't have an, a, a predator. But now that there's a predator involved, they're running and jumping and moving. And the vegetation's coming back. And again, in the article, they're finding the wolves... They're not going after the healthiest ones. They're going after the ones that are weak and infirmed. That's how this is supposed to work, right? The weak get taken out so that the strong survive, so that the species will continue to thrive. It seems logical to me. But then we're going to get in there thinking that we know better and start messing around? I've hunted before deer, um, but... I don't know, just getting on a, a helicopter just to go out and shoot animals? And then are, are we just going to leave their, their carcasses lying out there where, they, where they've been shot? Man, I don't know. Just seems like a bad idea. Anybody up in Ohio? Anybody up in Idaho want to give me a shout out and let me know your thoughts? I'd love to hear it. Anybody else? Don't have to be from Idaho. You want to give me some thoughts? Love to hear them. Might even read them on the podcast. How about that? Make you internet famous. I can't give you no million dollars like Ohio, but I'll give you a shout out. So, out to the shout outs. Shout out 
I got a shout out to my folks over there at the Garland Farmers Market at Firewheel. Those guys are killing it. Always fun. I got to say, I went out Sunday. So here in Texas, it's been raining all week. It's been just pouring. Today, I thought we were going to float away. Sunday, though, Sunday, I had to drop my daughter off at work. And as I passed by the location where the farmer's market was, it was pouring. I mean, pouring rain. Sure enough, there's five or six tents out there. I had to stop. I bought something for every stinking one of them. They all deserved it. If you're going to go out in pouring rain, and literally, they've got tents over them, but the rain is just, sh- I mean, some of their stuff's getting wet, but they're still there. They're doing their thing. This is their, this is their grind. They're, they're doing it, and I love it. I, I, I get so energized hanging out with people that have passion about what they're doing and don't care what other people say. Oh, that's a bad idea. Or, oh, there's too many of that, those. Why are you? That's too competitive. These people don't care. They go after it. So shout out. Garland Farmer's Market at Firewheel. You guys always got my respect. Uh, Javi G, my gosh, this guy is doing daily stuff that I can't even keep up. He's got vlogs going. He's got the in, the the podcast going. He's got his Instagram stuff he's doing. I mean, the guy's he's he's a he's a machine. I I gave up trying to keep up with him a long time ago. I'm lucky if I get my two podcasts out a week and maybe uh, promote them on on social media. It's just it's it, there's too much. I got so much uh, other stuff to do. But I love his stuff. He's great. Check him out. I'll make sure to put a link in there. He's really had some good good guests lately, and uh, always good to hear from him. Germbolt, my man. Check out his art. Germbolt twenty three on the IG. The guy does some amazing artwork, uh, hand drawings paintings, digital, you name it. Give him a holler. Maybe he'll commission something for you. I can't speak for him, but hey, the man is a good artist. Check him out. And uh, to my fellas, uh, Chris and Justin in the Indecisive Band, boys, looking forward to seeing you again so we can get back together. Um, We're in a bit of a hiatus right now but uh, because I got a bit of travel and the other guys got some things going on, but when we get back in, we're going to hammer down some stuff, hopefully have some recordings coming out soon. Very excited about that. And maybe even a live stream. We're going to try to do that again. Check it out. Look for the uh, updates. Everybody, I hope you're doing okay out there. Be safe. And I know it's, it's, it's overwhelming sometimes because it happens to me. I wake up and I'm like, God, there's just so much wrong. Seems. What's the point? But then I remember. Life is beautiful, folks. There are so many things that we have to be grateful for. So many beautiful things and beautiful people in this world. Sure, there's bad things. But you know what? Turn that stuff off. Focus on the good things. Smile. Say hello to a stranger. Okay? So we're all in this together. Let's just, let's try to help each other out. So that's what we do here at the Inside Podcast. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Cheers.
Hey, are you searching for that perfect gift for your honey? Well, I got a perfect idea for you. Why don't you check out libidaloca.com for all your honey needs. They got soap scrub. They got good smelling scrub. They have every kind of extract you could think of. They also have all the new CBD infused honey that could help you with those aches and pains or your honey with their aches and pains. Well, whatever the case may be, you can check us out too at libidaloca.com on Instagram and libidaloca.com on Facebook. And the address is 236 East Davis Street, Culpeper, Virginia. And that's Culpeper, Virginia. So check out libidaloca.com for all your libido needs. Thank you. <laughs>